Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast, part of the Action Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. I am joined, as I am for every episode, by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, joining me on The Favorites, presented by Bet365, Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Chad, another sports weekend and another weekend of drama. I got to hear your take on this whole Shams FanDuel thing. How do you view these insiders working for sports books nowadays? Is, is it something you agree with or is it like, I don't know about this walking a fine line here, handing out information, moving numbers. And it, it is, question. it's a lot of, a lot of people asking us how we view this. I would love it, to hear your view on it. It's a, it's a great question. You know, what's interesting. And maybe I, I was either blind to it or nerd to it. <laughs> wasn't paying enough attention, but it didn't even occur to me. Me either. Uh, honestly, like didn't even think about it. I, I don't think, I don't think there was anything nefarious going on. I don't see Shams as a guy who is in the betting community. I see Shams as a guy who is a newsbreaker who is connected. And there is a sort of, strange combination of worlds that are still coming together and people are still trying to figure out where the lines are being drawn when it comes to operators who want to acquire customers and also want to be media businesses, media personalities who want to cash in on betting and go where they can make a big ticket and do what they do and using their platforms. Shams has a big Twitter platform to do what they do. I think this was one of the first instances where um, we saw in real time what is dangerous about it. I don't think anyone was doing anything uh, to move numbers or to benefit an operator, but I'm glad I'm glad Haral Bob Volgaris, Bob Volgaris, he's the one who brought it up on Twitter and then Dan Ravel did a story about it for us on uh, on action. But fascinating, fascinating sort of mini narrative going on. Yeah, I think it was definitely one of those days where Woj came out looking really good. I mean, it's always the battle between those guys, the NBA insiders. But, man, that was one of those where, I mean, Woj, he's not working for any books, right? He still works for right. uh, the company ESPN. we shall not name. So, yeah. to me, no, it's, We can name ESPN. We love we ESPN. We can? Of course. 
Right. Dude, right. <laughs> you're mentioning FanDuel on a podcast presented by Bet365. You can't mention ESPN. I never I never mentioned them by name. You did. I'm oh, the professional I here. I got a lot. I love I got a lot of friends at ESPN still. I think they're great. Yeah. I, I just it was one of those where I'm definitely nervous about it in the sense that if Adam Schefter takes a contract with a book, I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, Chad. It's gonna tint some of his information to me. Like it's gonna make some of that info I'm not gonna trust as much, especially in the sense that. I don't know if you remember this, but we had a whole deal where we didn't know who was going to be playing during all COVID. I felt really lucky with Schefter was just honest about it, right? He was like, this quarterback didn't pass his protocol. He won't be playing. If he worked for a sports book, I probably would hesitate. So it's it's definitely one of those things I'm always going to keep in the back of my mind now with Shams is like, yeah, I think he's legit. He's NBA, NBA insider. I don't think he's going to really try to move numbers, move lines, but he did. I mean, millions of dollars removed. We saw that number flip. For, I think it was plus 300, yeah. right, for Scoot to minus 250, minus 300. So um, it's pretty incredible to influence these guys who, like you just said, the dude doesn't even bet. Like, this dude's not even betting, and he's moving millions and millions of dollars. So it's just – we're just in a wild time right now with these insiders picking up all this money from all these different sports books. Yeah, I think uh, – look, Woj and, and Shefty, Adam Schefter, uh, both went through this, and this is not – inside information they went through contract renewals last 12 months or so maybe 12 to 18 months and there was a lot of conversation were either of them going to get big mega deals from operators um ultimately they didn't they stayed at espn and, got that mickey mouse money and well look i think i think also for that for their benefit they realized at the end of the day the value of breaking news for espn is greater than the value of breaking news for a DraftKings or a FanDuel or any other operator who might have been sort of figuring out their media media strategy at the time. Uh, Shams, different different category, different ideas. I think uh, this was one of the first instances that it bubbled up and became the kind of story that it was. Fascinating. You're right. Won't be the last time we deal with it. That's the beauty of getting your news and information from the Action Network, because we are not beholden to any individual operator on the platform. We report the news, we share the news, we change our opinions based on what we think is right, not based on anything else other than that. By the way, speaking of, shout out to our sponsor, Bet365. Bet uh, we are proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's Exclusive sign up offer bet $1 on any game, get $200 in bonus bets. Bet 365 is now live in Iowa. So, for new users in the Hawkeye State, you get an even bigger sign up offer bet $1 and get $365 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa. Gambling problem? Call or text 1 800 Gambler. Simon, we're like, a month away from training camps, you know, eight to 10 weeks away from the NFL season beginning. I would say, and this is not even opinion, we have the two strongest fantasy prognosticators, analysts in the country in Chris Raybon and Sean Kerner. Not only do they join us for Convince Me every Sunday live during the season, the NFL season. They are, what were they, top five in 
fantasy pros player rankings in 2022. They're joining us today. We're going through the 10 biggest fantasy moves of the offseason. Raybon, I see you typing away in our little script here, but but remind me, what were you? Were you like number two, number one in fantasy pros projections? What did you finish? Uh, I was number two. Shout out to Pat Thorman, who finished number one. And uh, I believe Kerner was number five. So Kerner snuck in there. Yeah. Top five. Top five. I we, and we've been talking about that. That was our goal. Um, ever yeah. since we started working here, we were like, we both got to finish top five. And uh, I think, yeah, I think, Sean, you got in at like on like week 16 or 17. Oh, I had to go on an absolute heater yeah. to get there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was worried you were going to catch me. <laughs> Do but, you uh, remember, no, Kerner, what got what what slipped you into the top five? Oh, I don't remember. That's so long ago. Uh, I had uh, I finished first place in week 16, I think it was. Uh, I just made a lot of bold calls and they all hit. So I, I jumped from like 10th to fifth uh, that week. Do you guys feel like I should get some kind of credit for recognizing the talent in both of you and hiring you at the same time, knowing that we could build a uh, fantasy projection powerhouse? You are getting credit. We're here on your podcast. <laughs> Is that enough though? <laughs> Is that really enough? Hey, we're doing yeah. like two more podcasts after yeah. this. Check out we got the a pod marathon. our AFC and NFC West episodes. We got all the other divisions out already. We're working hard, man. I mean, Fantasy Flex, everyone should listen to it. Clearly, you guys are top five projectionists according to Fantasy Pros, and that's an independent verified outlet. That's not some, you know, someone we're paying to get it done. Congrats to you. Congrats to me. Congrats to Simon just by being here. Uh, so many freaking moves. The other day, who was it the other day that came out and said, I think it was Melvin Gordon, being a running back in the NFL totally sucks. It is the worst position to play in the NFL. Yet, Bijan Robinson drafted top 10 by the Falcons. And yet, then again, Dalvin Cook, who when he's playing is a miracle of a player cut from the Vikings, frees up 9 million in cap space for the Vikings. Raybon, going through our little lineup here, you feel like this is one of the biggest moves for fantasy players this offseason. Why? Well, when we're talking about biggest moves, uh, I wanted to start here because I think there's still value to be had uh, with Alexander Madison, who is Dalvin Cook's replacement. Uh, relative to his average draft position. Uh, he's still going off the board as the 26th running back. And I, I think he should be uh, inside the top 20, definitely inching toward that top 15 in six starts over the last three seasons. He's averaged 23 touches, 112 yards from scrimmage per game, five touchdowns in those six games. Madison's still only 25 years old, under 500 career touches, uh, so not a lot of tread on the tires. So he can, you know, they can kind of run him into the ground these next two years. They signed him to a pretty, uh, you know, team, fr you know, team friendly deal. I think it was two years with about six mil uh, guaranteed. But you look at what Cook did last year in the first year under Kevin O'Connell, 303 touches, uh, just under 1500 yards from scrimmage and 10 touchdowns. So that's 18, about 18 touches per game. I think Madison will be in that neighborhood 
There's not a ton behind him on the depth chart. And because Minnesota is essentially in cap uh, hell, I don't think they're going to go inside another running back or anything like that. Uh, so this should be Madison uh, Madison's job uh, to to for for this year for the entire year. And also, I think one other thing to mention here: we love Madison, but also keep an eye on where Dalvin Cook may end up because you have the Broncos are second in terms of the odds to land Dalvin Cook. Javante Williams going RB nineteen, P Ryan RB thirty eight. Uh, I would be careful with those guys. Uh, Brees Hall for the Jets is going in the top 12 at running back. Uh, and the Jets are the third most likely team uh, to land Cook, according to the odds. So uh, there's a few uh, kind of domino effects that could happen with this move. But the big winner here, Alexander Madison, uh, should definitely be a top 20 running back, still going outside the top 20. Alexander Madison. Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton reference, I see you. Yeah, you see, you hear you hear me? Uh Kerner, I mean, you didn't finish top three like Raybon, but you must have an opinion either for or against Alexander Madison. Of course. Yeah, I 20? mean, oh yeah, he's absolutely a top 20 back. Um, like Raybon said, he doesn't have much competition, so he should be a workhorse back this season. But it, it was over a month ago when we started recording fancy flexes for this year. Uh, he was going outside the top 30, and we're like, look, it, it's unlikely Dalvin Cook returns this year, so start loading up a Madison at RB30, right, Raybon? He was like, RB30. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then this news happens, and now recent drafts, he's going around like RB15 to RB20, but the time to really invest in it was a, was a month ago when we knew this was going to happen, uh, but he is absolutely a top 15 back now with Dalvin Cook on. Yeah, and there's some shaky backs going in like that. Like, even Josh Jacobs, we don't know what's going on with him. Brees Hall could be hurt. Javante yeah. Williams. So I still like Madison in that, you know, RB15-ish range because I think he's one of the more safer backs, whereas there's a lot of question marks about a lot of those other yeah. guys. Kind of frozen pondy, uh, as Sean would say. Well, Simon, you watch a lot of these guys on film. You're just living in Hawaii with nothing else to do because all the volcanoes aren't exploding anymore. A guy like Dalvin Cook who is injury prone and yet still had more than 300 touches last year. Do you feel like him going to a place like Denver or Miami, the odds right now are, I think Miami plus 100 Denver plus 600 jets plus 750. And then, you know, Buffalo, Dallas, and Chicago. Do you look at that and think, yeah, he would be a market improvement or do you feel like he's going to be on the other side of his career? No, he's not there yet, especially the way that his body's held up in the sense that he's had injuries, but they're not major, major injuries to his legs. And that's what we look for. So to me, him going to Miami, that's a huge deal, Chad. Like they literally have one of the best run blocking systems in all of football. Like, again, people forget that Shanahan running style system. That's what they run in Miami. So right there, you have one of the best blocking systems. Now you're bringing in one of the best running backs that's able to hit holes with an offense that has Tyree Kill and Waddle. So Ain't going to be no nine, 10 men in the box. This is going to be really open. I I love that move for Dalvin Cook. I'm hoping the money can work out. He can get down there to Miami. To me, that's number one. Denver is also a really nice landing spot for him. I'm hoping he doesn't go to the Jets. The Jets, that, that already seems like that would be kind of a committee running backs over there where, again, I think Williams is really good for Denver. He is not held up, right? We've seen this kid's early career. He just doesn't have the body, seems like, to hold up in this league. Where Dalvin, he is Nixon, you know, he gets little hits here and there. But for the overall, like you just said, he usually gets to his thousand yards. So to me, 
him going to Miami, Chad, that is truly a dream scenario, especially if you're a Miami backer like you are, Chad. You are hoping this man goes there because that's a big, big deal. I honestly could see that move in their futures a little bit. Like I could see a drop in them, you know, maybe plus 50, maybe plus 25, just a little bit, but it's still running back, moving a number. That's a pretty big deal in the futures market. Bears got a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want him. But let's, got a let's lot keep... of running backs too. Yeah, let's keep going on the running back. Sean, what is your view on a guy going to Atlanta as the arguably one of the best running backs groups in all football, right? They don't even need a running back. <laughs> Their front office, again, yeah. I'm not here to make fun and call them stupid, but they went out, they got Robinson, arguably the best running back in all football from Texas. What's your view on him and your projection going into the season for, again, Atlanta, they might not have a quarterback, but, man, can they run the ball. Like Smith, another guy, great coach. Amazing run block scheme. What's your view in Atlanta this upcoming season with Robinson? Yeah, I thought this is a great landing spot for him. You know, he's probably the best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon Barkley. He should be one of the better workhorse running backs on day one in the entire league. So like you alluded to, it was surprising that the Falcons specifically were the team that drafted him. I mean, they were third in DVOA and rushing last year. They have a solid offensive line. They just had rookie running back Tyler Algier rush for over a thousand yards last year. So it wasn't really a glaring need, but it just goes to show how much they value running the ball. So they felt like adding the best running back prospect uh, in the top 10 picks was worth it. So I expect him to get over 20 plus touches a game. Um, and, you know, he's being drafted as a top three back and rightfully so I, I have him as my RB four, but he should hit the ground running right away. He could, he's also a good pass catcher too. There's no, there's no weakness in his game. Um, the, the other interesting part is what are they going to do with Tyler Algier? Because he was shaping up to be a potential top 20 back in fantasy heading into the year, but obviously them drafting Bijan was a crushing blow to his fancy value. So he's outside the top 40, but he actually might see enough touches to have some fancy value with Bijan healthy as well. I mean, they just love running the ball. So I think this just goes to show, uh, they're not going to lean on Ritter's arm that much. They're just going to really pound the rock. And last year it did work for them. So, uh, I, I think, like you said, it, it's probably a dumb move in the big picture, but I think this offense is going to be pretty exciting. I disagree. I don't think it's a dumb move at all. I think the Falcons got the best player in the draft, uh, and this is what they're this is what they do. Like they right. weren't they weren't going to find an uh, a solution at quarterback this year. Like that that was just out of the you know out of the question. So they got the best player in the draft, made his strength stronger, and I agree with what you said about Algier. I think I think he's undervalued as well, but. I'm buying the Falcons. I think they're the best team in this division already. I think they're better than the Saints. Uh, and I think their offense is going to be excellent. They were already the best offense in, in their division by DVOA last year. Uh, it, it, Tom Brady played every game. And, you know, now you're, you're going to add Bijan. you got a great O-line. The quarterback situation is probably going to be better than it was last year, too. So uh, I don't think it was dumb. I just think uh, given the <laughs> cards the Falcons were dealt, given the hand they were dealt, I actually like what they do, like what they're doing. So I think their offense is going to be super explosive this year, just unconventional. By thinking it's not dumb, Raybon just called Kerner and Simon dumb. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Don't take. I mean, that's it's kind of contrarian. I'll give you that because a lot of people look at it. Okay, running back early, and it's dumb, but it's it's kind of like in fantasy. It reminds me of how late round quarterback used to be the strategy. And now Sean and I were talking, it's like, you kind of got to draft quarterback a little bit earlier because the market's a little sharper. Like Robinson to me was the best player in the draft. I know he's not a quarterback, but he's still the best player in the draft to me. He went eighth to the Falcons because teams are worried about 
drafting a running back, but if anyone could use them, it's the Falcons. And you, you know, when you're a team that wants to run, you know that you have to have a lot of backs, right? So Tyler Algier at the top of the depth chart is not enough. They already, Avery Williams already got, he's out for the year. And uh, their other guy, um, Huntley, might be out for the year too because he he messed up as a kid. So they already got like two running backs hurt. So, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense for this specific team. I don't think it was dumb given the circumstances. All right, take back the dumb part. But when I was following <laughs> the draft, Jalen Carter was still on the board. They could have traded down and still got Bijan. So it's, it's more complicated than it's calling it dumb. But it's something that they're already really good at, and now they have the best running back in a long time. Sean, don't pull back. It was dumb. Would you rather have no. Warren Sapp or Ricky oh. Williams? Well, yeah, I, great player. like I said, at the Give time, I think Sapp. Jalen Car- <laughs> Carter would have been the better pick there. It, that's what I, I think, too. I don't know. I'm intrigued because you got a lot of movable chess pieces. Robinson, uh, Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson is still there. Like, I, I, this everyone's going to move around. You're never going to know where anyone's going to line up. Like, I, I, I think this – I think this is an amazing pick for the Falcons. Not for every team, but for the Falcons, yeah. It I I don't disagree with Raybon here. Um, Forget about sort of the draft strategy. Bijan Robinson is clearly one of those backs that people believe can play at an elite level for as long as he is healthy, right? And Simon, you and I love the Falcons. We this is an Atlanta Falcons podcast. And during the football <laughs> season, during the NFL season, to our detriment, we often lean heavy into the Falcons. And before that, we leaned heavy into the Titans because we love Arthur Smith. We love the way he coaches. We love the way he designs offenses. We love the way he calls games. He was pulling miracles out last year with the Falcons covering with bad players. It was all system, right? And so all of a sudden, if he's got good players and a steady diet of running backs who can hit the holes and be powerful behind a good offensive line, all of a sudden they become a team again that we have to start paying attention to in what is otherwise a pretty crappy NFC South. That's true. But we talked about all the time, the history just continually repeats itself in the NFL. We already saw it with Saquon Barkley on the Giants. If you don't have a quarterback, you're relevant. Ezekiel Elliott went to the Cowboys. They didn't have a quarterback, so it's kind of irrelevant. It's like, I'm I'm with Chris. Their talent on offense is unbelievable. Unless the quarterback can put it together, which, again, I still don't think the whole Tannehill thing, going from Tennessee, going to the Falcons is dead yet. Like, we'll see. Once these teams get into camp, if this kid can't start putting it together, I just can't see the Falcons wasting the season. Like, we just talked about it. They have so much talent in a weak division. Like, if you're going to steal this division – this yes. is the year to do it for Atlanta. So. Yeah. Already, already got my Falcons future in. I, I yeah, you. I'm on the same boat. Where it's like, I know they're going to be aggressive. I like Atlanta too. Yeah, and by like before we move on, and, and then we will. But my thing about Bijan is that it wasn't like Atlanta gave up selecting a quarterback to take Bijan. Like there was no quarterback you were really going to feel good about taking right there. So it's like they're going to have to go find a quarterback next year or at some other point. Like you know what I mean? Like it's not like they passed on Bryce Young or something like that. Right, right. Um, it's interesting. We, we're we talking a little bit out of both sides of our mouth here, right? Because we've got Bijan going in the top 10. We're talking about how great Tyler Algiers is. Dalvin Cook getting a little bit of wear and tear in his tires, getting cut for cap reasons after a great year. Alexander Madison, replaceable, 
uh, running back in an offense that is salary cap uh, strapped. Meanwhile, an anomaly in the draft is Jameer Gibbs from Alabama also going in the top 15. And like all of a sudden we're seeing draft capital being spent. And not only that, like Detroit taking the guy as a surprise and signing David Montgomery from the Bears, basically changing over their entire running back core on the fly in one season. Raybon, how do you feel about the Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery combination? Yeah, so Detroit, you know, in terms of Gibbs, Detroit is kind of, they've been making a lot of picks where it looks like a reach, but then they'll make like a pick the next round and get a value. And it, so it kind of all evens out. Uh, I don't love the Gibbs pick as much as I love uh, the Robinson for Atlanta, but I do think, uh, I love this Detroit offense. I think this Detroit offense can be a top five offense and they're, trying to add speed. And, and that's why they have Gibbs who ran a, a four, three, six, 40. And, you know, they were trying to do that last year too. And, and now Jamison Williams is going to miss six games. So, you know, that Gibbs addition is important. That's going to really give them some juice. Um, he's going RB 15. I don't think there's a ton of value uh, with him, but I should point out that Deandre Swift uh, was 16th in PPR points per game among running backs uh, and 22nd in half PPR. So he was a top 24 back. Uh, in, in all formats, and he only averaged 42% of the snaps. Jameer Gibbs was taken with the 12th overall pick. He's going to get more than 42% of the snaps. So, you know, it, it's not – it looks a little high, but he'll probably land somewhere in that 15 to 20, 25 range when it's all said and done. He's going a little bit high, but I think Montgomery is interesting uh, because he should get that Jamal Williams role from last year. That's about 15 carries a game, you know, maybe one to two targets, just one for Williams, but Montgomery's a little better of a pass catcher. But uh, the key for fantasy, Jamal Williams had an NFL high 45 carries inside the 10-yard line last year. That was 16 more than the next highest player on that list. Williams had 28 carries inside the five. The second most guy inside the 10 was 29. So, like – this could be Montgomery this year, and they signed him to a three-year deal. They obviously wanted him. They could have just, you know, brought back Williams probably for cheaper too. So uh, I think Montgomery at RB30 is very intriguing because, you know, Gibbs is going to play in the slot some. He's going to move around. They're still going to need a back to take, you know, probably 13 to 17 carries a game. I think this team is going to be, you know, a 9 to 10 win team. The division isn't that strong. Uh, so the game script should be there. So uh, Montgomery to me is the value, uh, but Gibbs is an exciting own uh, a little better in best ball, I think, but Montgomery RB 30. Uh, I'm, I'm buying. Matt Mitchell is telling us we have to pick up the pace because we have 10 topics to get to. I love each one of these so much that we could talk about each one for a podcast. What I will say, what I will say before we get to the next running back is as much as we loved the lions last year, Simon, are you with me in that? they might be an auto fade early in the year. Just in the sense that they're, they're the most loved team right in that yeah. division by far. Like that's just, everyone's been betting them. I think you, you've talked to a lot of bookmakers, you know, the deal chat where they say, yeah, we about 80% of the money right now is poured in on Detroit to win this division. It's just, they're, they're the public darling where I think Chris just nailed it though. Like offensively, 
They are really talented. They have a lot of weapons on that offense. And we we assume their defense would be better last year, right? Their secondary, I think, was ranked 32nd. And then yeah, midway terrible. point of the year, they fired them. And we saw they made a run. They almost made the playoffs. So it kind of makes sense that the public is so enamorated with this Detroit team, just in the fact they are so talented across the board. Here's what I love about the NFL. Last year, Jamal Williams, record-setting year as a running back. Anytime you're talking about the Lions who are playing their heart out and every game is a gutsy win or a close loss and everyone is like, Jamal Williams is our spirit, man. He is the (laughs) heart of our team. We love Jamal Williams. Cut to, eh, we can let him go. That's football. (laughs) That is definition of football. Uh, Listen, you guys have heard us talk about game time so often on this podcast. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the U.S. I love game time. Honestly, I use it all the time. If you're looking to get out to a pro or college game this week or even a concert, game time has amazing last minute deals on tickets to all of these. I'm opening the game time app right now from my house here in Connecticut. I'm checking out what's available in New York City. I can get into the Yankees. I can get into the Mets tonight. Six bucks. I can go see CONCACAF in New Jersey this weekend. Less than 150 bucks. That is that is elite level European football, folks, here in the United States. Go to game time, no matter where you live. Get out, have some fun this week. You deserve it. And you can redeem code favorites. For $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, just download the app and earn a code favorites for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Simon, I know you want to ask Sean about your favorite former Philadelphia Eagle. I'm shocked that Mets tickets aren't $1, Chad. They are terrible. I know. Uh, they, yeah. It's really become a folly. Like the, the no, other no, night. That no Mets slander, please. No Mets slander, damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. Raybon's out on the West Coast. He's forgotten how terrible uh, it can be to follow the Mets when you're in New York. Oh, State. I haven't forgotten. I They haven't won a World Series since I was in my mother's womb. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Sean, let's talk about another team in the uh, NFC South here. We got our guy, Miles Sanders, down in Carolina. My man got paid. He's a, he is the apparent number one three-down back. That's what they're talking about. What's your view on Miles Sanders, a guy who – have we ever seen him hold up in a full season after getting a ton of carries? So I'm interested to hear your take on what Miles Sanders is projected going into the season. And can you do it in a Southern accent like Simon just tried to do? Uh, impossible. <laughs> I, I don't have that in me. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, he, he's 
leaving one of the best offenses in the NFL to go to the Panthers. So, you know, on the surface, it might look like a downgrade, but, you know, he's going to be operating as the workhorse back here, including a pass catcher. It's not like he can't catch passes. Uh, he does have that skill set. Uh, you know, the, the Eagles like to rotate backs in. Jalen Hurst doesn't like to dump off that much. He tends to scramble. So this is a system where he could, you know, catch more than 40 passes this year. Uh, plus, Jalen Hurts, you know, he, he had 45% of the Eagles' rush attempts inside the five. Um, so, you know, Sanders helped push Jalen Hurts into the end zone. But maybe in Carolina, he gets to run with the ball into the end zone. So his touchdown upside could be a bit higher here. Uh, so there's a chance he could finish as a high-end RB2 in this offense as the lead back. Um, so I, I think he's kind of sneaky in this RB20 range. Like Raybon said, a lot of backs in that range are kind of iffy. Um, and certainly there are some question marks with Sanders going to the Panthers. The offensive line's a little bit worse, but it's not bad. So I think that you can get him you know, at a deal right now in the RB20 range. Plus, this move also opens up the door for backs like Rashad Penny or DeAndre Swift to step up in Philadelphia. So this is one of the biggest moves in the offseason, I think, for fantasy. Well, you just mentioned DeAndre Swift. Not that I want to shortchange anything Raybon might have to say about Miles Sanders. But um, we're going through a sort of, you know, Venn diagram here. DeAndre Swift leaves the Lions. Miles Sanders leaves the Panthers. Now, DeAndre Swift, he is in Philly. Give me your take right now on his value as a running back, uh, Chris Raybon. Yeah, so I, you know, Swift has fallen to about the RB25 range. And I think he does have some upside there because, again, he was, you know, a top 22 running back in all formats. And he only played 42% uh, of the snaps last year. And there's not many places you can go offensively where you're running back and it's a better situation than Detroit. Now, obviously, you know, they didn't want to play him because Deuce, he had beef with Deuce Staley, uh, who's now with Sanders in Carolina, by the way. So I do love Sanders, agree with Sean there. But I actually think Swift, as he kind of trickles down the board a little bit, does have some upside here because he can be highly efficient in this Eagle offense. Uh, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell combined for 45% of the snaps last year. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of snaps to be had. Uh, there's a lot of goal line carries to be had, even with Hertz, you know, taking a lot of those carries. Miles Sanders was still fourth in the NFL with 26 carries inside the 10 yard line. So, you know, I think Swift and Rashad Penny, who's going as the 40th running back off the board, uh, both have some upside here. And the, the thing about Penny is you just worried about him staying healthy. He's only played about half of his career games, but that actually gives Swift a little more upside because you got to figure there'll be some games that Penny's going to miss it. And, and Swift is going to be a, a little bit more of a workhorse. And then, but I, I, I would still take a swing on Penny in redraft leagues as well, because remember Detroit traded Swift uh, during the draft the Eagles had already acquired Rashad Penny, presumably to replace Miles Sanders. So he, so I, I think he's going to get a good deal of work as well. He's going from a bottom three offensive line in, in Seattle uh, to a top six offensive line in Philly. So as long as you're not playing in a best ball league where, um, you know, those missed games tend to hurt you. Like if you're in a redraft league where if Penny gets hurt, you could just bench him. Uh, I think he's worth the swing too at RB40. I love the value there. Uh, and then Swift's, 
now at RB25 is, is pretty decent as well. But Penny is very intriguing, uh, you know, kind of in somewhat of the Sanders role. But I think it's going to be a, like a probably a 40, like a 55-40 split between those two. Maybe, you know, Boston Scott or Gainwell gets, you know, 5 to 10% of the snaps. But a lot of fantasy goodness to go around in Philly. So uh, like both these guys uh, landing here in Philadelphia. Chad, how it? Go ahead, I'll sorry. just say Howie Roseman does it again, though. He gets four running backs for the same price that Miles Sanders getting paid yes. by Carolina. It's just, yeah. it really is chess and checkers, Chad. It really is. Simon, that's why this upcoming season we'll have the Howie Roseman pick of the week because it's <laughs> the obvious genius play that everyone else is trying to outsmart themselves and avoid. But as an Eagles fan, I think the combination, and for you, Simon, of Swift and Penny is so interesting because both of them, if they were ever fully healthy, would be potentially dominant running backs. And you never see them playing full seasons, but their combination, their speed, especially uh, for Swift and Penny, makes them really, really interesting assets. You just never know how much you're going to get from each of them for a full season. So as an Eagles fan, do you all of a sudden think, wow, the Eagles actually are going to be in a better spot than I thought they would be when the season was ending? Yeah, I've, I don't know about that, but I've been drafting these running backs. So I've been going Swift. I've actually been going Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell over Penny, just in the fact that, again, I, I get where people are kind of doubting Kenneth Gainwell. I really think the team took a lot, not just a lot of belief in him, but a big step up in the sense that he got a lot of touches in the playoffs. Like, he ran incredibly well against that Giants defense and the 49ers defense. Like, if you go back and watch the tape, he played really well. It just seemed like, he was always the second guy to Miles Sanders. So I still think this team's going to give Kenneth Gainwell a first kind of chance and look just because he's been in this offense. So that's the kind of guy that's being left for dead, right? You can get him. Man, I think I got him like the freaking 18th round in uh, one of these best ball drafts. So it, it's kind of a guy he's left for dead where you just talked about Swift, rarely stays healthy and same with Penny. You might be able to get a really nice deal here getting one of these late running backs. Um, but let's let's switch to wide receivers, Chad. I know you want to talk about this guy, especially with my man, Sean. This is the most important topic of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, what are our look on our favorite receiver? Me and Chad have been talking nonstop about this move. DJ Moore (laughs) to the Bears. We always say, Chad, the quarterback, if they want to take the next step, Josh Allen wants to take the next step. Jalen Hurts wanted to take the next step. What do you need? You need the number one receiver. And we all believe the Bears have one. We think DJ Moore easily is a top five receiver. Is he going to be that this upcoming season for you with the – I mean, Justin Fields throwing those deep balls to him. Right. So I think this move has less of an impact on more specifically as I, I don't think he gets much of a boost going to the Bears. You know, the Bears are a run heavy team. Justin Fields scrambles a lot. He takes a lot of sacks. So those are, uh, you know, lost pass attempts <laughs> that more could be seeing. So I don't know if it's a boost for more, but it's certainly a boost. For Justin Fields, um, you know, a, a weapon like DJ Moore can really unlock his upside. And Fields was the QB5 in points per game in fantasy last year. That was despite having one of the worst supporting casts in all of football. And Darnell Mooney missed quite a bit of time as well. So uh, I think this is sort of like what we saw with um, Jalen Hurts, you know, after the Eagles got Devontae Smith and they had A.J. Brown. Like, that's how you unlock their upside. So I think Fields certainly has top three upside this year. Uh, you know, Darnell Mooney also being a number two receiver is huge. I don't think he's a number one receiver that should command a lot of targets. So I think DJ Moore taking some of the t- attention away from Mooney might unlock Mooney's upside. So this is just all positive news 
um, you know, for Justin Fields to have a talented receiver like DJ Moore that he can rely on? Well, listen, I think that what you just said about Justin Fields and being as effective as he was without any real receiving threats says so much about his ceiling and so much about are we really going to learn this year what Justin Fields is? Because that to me is the fundamental question. And I know I'm saying it as a Homer Bears fan, but also just saying it as someone interested in the NFL and the impact it will have not just on the division, but potentially a much weaker quarterback conference in the NFC. Raybon, you are a quarterback connoisseur. And we're going to get to another one of your quarterbacks sort of that you've been talking about <laughs> fading for years <sighs> in it. I like how Matt Mitchell backloaded the podcast for the stars in the second half. Uh, keep them interested, Matt Mitchell. Nice job. Um, when you look at Justin Fields, do you have optimism about his extraordinary upside for this year coming to fruition? I'm going to say this right now. I've said this on the Fantasy Flex already with Sean. Say it. I'm going to say it on a favorite. Don't sugarcoat it. You and for Simon, Justin Fields has within his range of outcomes a, a realistic chance to be the highest scoring player in fantasy football this year. I'm drafting, I'm drafting Justin Fields everywhere. Remember we talked about how – you know, maybe five, 10 years ago in fantasy, there were all these scrambling quarterbacks, even a few years ago that you could get outside the top 12, sometimes even outside the top 20, uh, you know, even a couple you know, even fields last year, you know, was a bargain, but the market's kind of sharpening up and Justin Fields reminds me of Jalen Hurts last year where, you know, we love Jalen Hurts and he was like QB 10 and QB nine and QB eight and QB seven. I think he ended up being like six or five, but he was still a value, right? Like he still crushed that ADP. That's Justin Fields this year. He's like QB six right now, but can he outscore Josh Allen? Yes. Can he outscore Patrick Mahomes? Yes. Because he runs like, here's the craziest stat about Justin Fields. He ran the ball three times less than Jalen hurts and had almost 400 more rushing yards. Like, this guy is just a monster. He's explosive. And now he's got a receiver. And Mooney's coming back. Komet broke out last year. Maybe Claypool will get will get more than one or two of the plays in the playbook this year. I mean, this could be a completely different offense. And I think the pass attempts will go up. I think the efficiency will go up. Like, we could be looking at a completely different offense, kind of like how you might have been, oh, I don't know if Jalen Hurts can support, you know, two top 15 receivers, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown last year. Well, he did. Uh, so I actually think DJ Moore, age 26 season, squarely in his prime. All of his targets last year were from PJ Walker, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. So uh, I actually do think he gets a massive jump with Justin Fields. It's not an elite thrower, but it's a lot better than those three guys. And we've seen what DJ Moore can do with even average quarterback play. I mean, this guy's always right around a thousand yards. Uh, and, you know, like this is I'm all in on uh, Justin Fields. And I, I think DJ Moore might be a little slept on as well, because I think he's going to be a target. Huh? I think he's going to be very consistent uh, week in, week out. And he doesn't miss Simon. games. Simon. How great is that? 
Well, my favorite joke I was going to make is, well, Jalen Hurts probably kneeled down a lot at the end of games. That affected his rushing total. <laughs> where I don't think and, you had to worry about that with Justin Fields. And one-yard touchdown. One-yard touchdown hey, run. Believe yeah. me, I, I actually, when I model uh, quarterback rushing yards, I actually break it to quarterback scrambles, designed non-kneel down runs. Oh, okay. And then kneel down. So I, I actually factor all that stuff in. And uh, Justin Fields still projects for <laughs> – right. But Justin Fields still does project for a more efficient – uh, running than than Jalen Hurts, if if you can believe that. Like this guy is just a a monster. Now I think I I think he'll run a tiny bit less this year, don't because he's got better weapons. But you know that's going to be a major part of your offense. That's just what Justin Fields is. He's an explosive runner. He could launch the ball down the field. Um, so yeah, I think this is like the same way we saw. I know it's a cliche at this point. We saw it. Josh Allen take that next step. We saw it. Hurts take that next step. Yeah, I think Fields is next. <laughs> Chad just worn out. Now we're we gonna get a breakdown about Rogers here. I gotta hear my Rogers. Uh, so I'm, I'm fading Rogers. Like I'm fading Rogers. Yeah, shocker, like, shocker. Let, but let's put it in context. He, he had Ray- no, no, no joke. Okay. Yeah. No joke. <laughs> Credit for Raybon. Before Aaron Rodgers had a couple of great years where Lafleur came in, Raybon had pinpointed the downfall of Aaron Rodgers and why he wasn't playing as well as he had been. And then they changed the playbook and he stopped doing a lot of the stuff that Raybon said he was doing. And he had two fantastic years. I don't think he does anything close to what he has done in green Bay in this resurgence. I don't think he has the same respect. I think he'll have a longer leash. I think he will have carte blanche. Go ahead, Raybon. Tell me why I'm right. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers coming off statistically pretty much the worst season of his career. Uh, and obviously I know he was hurt. So you have to kind of figure out, okay, well, how much of that is the age? How much of that was the injury and how much of that was just losing Devonte Adams. So there is a, a, a bunch of things, but I don't think the value is in drafting Aaron Rodgers at QB 14, but the reason people need to be aware that Aaron Rodgers uh, is going to, you know, have an impact on this jets offense is because of Garrett Wilson. We know that these days wide receivers, because they get so much playing time early and this is such a passing league, it used to be year three wide receivers break out. Now it's year two. Wide receivers tend to take a big leap in their efficiency metrics. Well, Garrett Wilson already caught 83 balls for over 1,100 yards last year, only had four touchdowns. But you look at what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, and I think he is going to force feed Wilson targets. Last year, Wilson was targeted on 23% of his routes. Aaron Rodgers, the last five seasons, his number one wide receiver has been targeted 28% of the time. And that's also in line with what you usually see. You know, if a, if a guy puts up, you know, about 20 plus targets per route in year one, he's usually jumping into those high 20s in year two. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers, top receiver, usually around two and a half yards per route. Wilson was at 1.9 last year with, you know, Zach Wilson and all those other bums. So, uh, I think Garrett Wilson is primed to explode. He's going at, at wide receiver 10. I'm fine with taking him there, but that's really what I think the benefit of Rodgers is. How, it doesn't matter how efficient he is or even how much he helps his Jet offense as a whole. He's going to p- make Garrett Wilson better. And remember, Garrett Wilson, the last 10 games, was on the field for 97% of the Jets' pass snaps. He came off the field for about one snap uh, a game, and that was usually when he got winded or took a big hit or something like that. He's going to be on every play, and Rodgers is going to look for him. Uh, and so you could see Garrett Wilson put up a Devontae Adams-like season. He has that kind of talent 
uh, in terms of being able to, to get separation uh, and, and move with the football. So um, not really in on Rodgers, but love the move for Garrett Wilson. What's your take on that, Kerner? Do you have a different take on Rodgers? No, no, I agree with that. And I think this unlocks Garrett Wilson's upside. He is for sure a top 10 receiver. I also like Al Mazard in the wide receiver 55 range. I mean, that's the guy that he has the most chemistry with. And Aaron Rodgers is big on just, you know, having chemistry with receivers, knowing where they're going to be. So I think Lazard, while he doesn't have a ton of upside, is a pretty good value at wide receiver 55 right now. You know, what's funny. When we start doing Convince Me on Sundays in the fall, uh, and Kerner and Raybon and Simon are all trying to convince me of the best bets I should make. I guarantee, I guarantee the number of times I hear about a disgusting third string running back or tight end versus the number of times I hear about Aaron Rodgers or Justin Field and betting their overprop, the over on the disgusting tight end or third string running back will be so much higher than Justin Fields or Aaron Rodgers. Quarterback markets are usually fairly sharp compared to um, mm. wide receivers and pass catchers in general. That, that's more of like why that is. Um, I, mean, I, would, I would actually bet Rodgers under passing yardage because he's going to have a really good defense with this Jet team. Mm. So, um, you know, he might not throw for a ton of yards. They just might all go to Wilson and, and Lazard. My point is, this might be the most we talk about Aaron Rodgers as a <laughs> quartet. <laughs> Yeah. The entire football season, because I'll get more, <laughs> you know, Pepe Le Pew, third string running back. Ray Ray McLeod, the third. Under half exactly. receiving yard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kerner, Simon's favorite quarterback in the draft, the one he mm. was putting all his chips on, was Anthony Richardson. <laughs> nice. Drafted by the Colts. Yeah. You've got him on our list as one of the biggest fantasy moves during the NFL. Oh, yeah. Could be a league winner, Chad. A league winner this season. Explain yourself. Tell yeah, me why Simon's so right. Uh, yeah, so if you were to design the perfect fantasy football quarterback in a lab, Anthony Richardson would be pretty friggin' close to that. Uh, he might be the best athlete we've ever seen play quarterback, and he has elite arm talent. Now, he's still pretty raw, so it, it might take him a year or two to develop as a passer. Um, if anything, that means he might lean on his legs even more in year one, which is great for fantasy football. We love that. Um, but the reason I think the Colts was such a good landing spot is, you know, he was – Favor to go to the Seahawks or Titans, which would have made it really tough for him to start this year. Like I said, he does need to develop a bit. Um, so I would have only projected him for a handful of starts if that. Uh, but landing on the Colts means that he could be the starter as soon as week one. Uh, I don't think Gardner Minshew's good enough to really hold him off for too long. Um, and they want to get him reps right away. So um, it, it, also he gets to play for uh, Shane Steichen, who helped develop Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. So just I thought there's a fantastic landing spot for him, his fancy upside. So he's going right around QB 15 right now. Uh, but if he starts week one, he'll easily clear that. So if you can't get Justin Fields earlier in the draft, you can wait and get Richardson a bit later. And he has top five upside, maybe not in year one, but down the road. So I, I love getting him uh, at that point in my drafts. Simon, you love Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I'm not, it's not like I'm projecting a cam. I mean, we all remember Cam Newton's rookie season. That was yeah. truly the pinnacle of what you hope for, right? That's like mm -hmm. peak form. I'm not even looking for that. I'm just looking for what I feel like even Chris talked about it. These running quarterbacks, like the market's catching up to them, but that's kind of what we're doing here where we're really buying low, right? It's all about where you spend your draft capital. You can get Anthony pretty late. So even if he is a bum and he doesn't work out, he can't pick up the offense. <laughs> 
you can find someone else. But the hope is when these guys come in with this high athletic ability, that's what they rely on, right? It's like, okay, this kid can't read defenses. He doesn't really know how to read the offense either. But when in doubt, he'll pull it down and he'll run it. And, I mean, how many times do we see it with Justin Fields? Like, you're just like, oh, he's going to get caught here. He's gonna, he's not going to make it through. And he makes it through, right? These freak athletes, there's no way to quantify it. So, to me, Anthony Richardson, his upside is so high. And what you're paying for him in the draft capital, it's just – it's worth the risk of this upcoming season in the sense that every year there's these running quarterbacks that people kind of don't take, right? Like, say it's him coming up and some guy out there is going to take, you know, a stand-in passing quarterback before him. We don't we don't hate on it, right? Some guy is going to take Rodgers there at QB fourteen. Yep. To me, yeah. I'd much rather take the day. upside of Richardson. Yes. So that that's the yep. whole point with projecting out these players. Yep. And let and let me say this: Richardson is the one quarterback where I never recommend you know in redraft taking multiple players at the onesie positions. You know, quarterback, tight end. Uh, but I I would actually draft Anthony Richardson even if I got a top twelve starter just for the upside. Oh, and yeah. because a lot of times I will be drafting a Fields or a Josh Allen or a Hurts and or Lamar and running quarterbacks do get hurt. So you know I I just look at it if you can get him as your QB two, I think he's the one guy worth using a roster spot on that second QB because I don't know if there's anyone else that you're going to, you know, like if he start, whenever he's starting, you know, his upside is going to be similar to a Justin Fields or somebody like that. And I just don't know if you're getting another player there um, that you could kind of bank on that type of upside right away uh, that that low in the draft. So I actually would make an exception for him and have him as my QB two. I think that would actually be the ideal scenario uh, because, you know, Gardner Minshew might start week one in, in the Colts automatic loss to Jacksonville. Well, let's, let's start with QBs then, Chris. If you're, if you're viewing – any team that has lost the biggest key <laughs> position, it's got to be Tampa, right? Tampa lost Brady. What's your outlook on this couple, upcoming season? Because uh, Mike Evans is still there. Godwin's still there. How are you viewing these guys now where, holy shit, man, it might be Baker Mayfield throwing to him. Like, what are, what are we doing here? So what's your view of this upcoming season on this Tampa team? The arrow – uh, for Evans and Godwin is pointing downward. I, like <laughs> Tampa Bay themselves, like they might, they might have a pretty good defense and might play, you know, like they might keep games closer than we think. And might, they might be one of those teams we're betting on as an underdog a lot, but in terms of their fantasy potential, uh, it's probably going to be ugly because you look at Mike Evans and Godwin last year, they were volume dependent wide receivers. They both finished in the top 20, but Evans 77 catches, uh, just over 1,100 yards, only six touchdowns. Uh, and Chris Godwin, over 100 catches, just over 1,000 yards, but only three touchdowns. So a lot of catches, a lot of yards. Not many touchdowns even last year. Well, now you're going from Brady to Mayfield and or even Kyle Trask, uh, you know, 2021 third rounder, nine career pass attempts. But the issue here is not just the drop-off in terms of the efficiency. It's the volume because when you have Tom Brady, you're going to throw 44 times a game. That's what Tampa Bay did last year. They led the league 44.2 pass attempts per game, 40 more pass attempts than any other team in the National Football League. Baker Mayfield has only attempted that many passes three times in his entire career. He averages under 32 attempts per game for his career. So I think you're going to see a totally different offense, a lot fewer passing attempts, and Tampa Bay's defense still isn't bad. So, yes, they're going to be probably uh, uh, one of the 
worst teams in a league, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get run out of the building. I could see them playing a lot of like 20 to 10 games, you know, 17 to nine, those kind of games, not going to be too conducive for, for, for fantasy production from the passing game. So I'm hoping Mike Evans can still get his, keep his a thousand yard streak going. But um, remember he got like a bunch of touchdowns in one game last year. Uh, it was pretty ugly outside of that. And, uh, and, and Godwin, you know, who knows with him, I think he's going to be a little healthier, but overall, you know, he had a, he was a hundred catch receiver last year. He had uh, about 25 more catches than Evans. And with the volume decrease we're projecting, I mean, you know, Godwin and Godwin could drop off, you know, 20, 30 catches, if not more. Uh, And Evans could have his first, uh, sub 1000 yard season. So right now Evans, uh, even though they finished top 20, Evans going wide receiver 27 uh, and Godwin going wide receiver 30. And I think that's fair because um, you, you just don't, the touchdowns, you just don't know where they're going to come from when, when Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask uh, are in your quarterback room. Before we get to our last topic uh, from Kerner, which is also, I think fairly controversial and a little bit of a surprise uh, re- quick round Robin. Like we do and convince me. Quick round robin. Mike Evans, Hall of Famer. Sean Kerner, yes or no? Uh yes. Okay. Simon Hunter, yes or no? Yeah, easy, easy. Raybon, easy, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I think I agree. Uh all right. Kerner. We just went through Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Fields. We went through a bevy of yeah. potential all-pro running backs. And yet for the yeah. last topic of the day, mm-hmm. you want to bring me the Lions for mm-hmm. the second time. Yeah. You want to bring me someone who has never played an NFL snap. Yep. Explain who it is and why. Getting you ready for convince me with these random players. But I love this landing spot uh, on both sides, but it's Sam Laporta to the lions and you know, Laporta tight end from Iowa, tight end from Iowa, uh, who has been producing a lot of good tight ends the last decade or so. Um, but he was one of the better pass catching tight ends in this year's class. And it was kind of surprising, you know, the lions took him in the second round and Michael Mayer, who was considered the top overall tight end prospect since he's a pretty good pass blocker, um, was also available. So it's, it's clear that the lions want to tap into Laporta's receiving upside because they're looking to replace TJ Hawkinson. Uh, after trading away to the Vikings last year. So Laporta is who replaced TJ Hawkins at Iowa. Looked every bit as good. Now he's going to replace him in Detroit. And just due to like, you know, Jamison Williams being out the first six games um, behind Amon Ross St. Brown's kind of shaky. Who's going to be the number two pass catcher. Laporta has a chance at least to be Jared Goff's number two target this season. So I think he has a ton of upside in this offense. I thought it was a great move for the Lions, who, like I said, they need to replace TJ Hawkinson. So I thought it was good for both the Lions and Laporta that he ended up in Detroit. Raybon, this feels like a special for you. A, a tight end nobody's heard of. <laughs> I mean, if, you know? if you know who he is, if you if you follow the ball <laughs> or, the, or the draft. But yeah, I, I, I like it because, listen, tight end – it gets really ugly quick. Like last year, I mean, Mark Mark Andrews was kind of a disappointment. George Kittle, you know, wasn't targeted a lot. Just but he saved his season with a, with eleven touchdowns. Um, you know, and, and with McCaffrey there, he might not be as productive. Darren Waller's, you know, over thirty and on a new team. It's it's tough at tight end. So you know, if you miss out on 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 an elite guy, 
I think you want to take a flyer and, and Laporta, you know, they, they drafted him with the intent to use him as a pass catcher, as Sean uh, has alluded to. So, you know, I look back, you know, TJ Hawkinson's first ever game uh, with the Detroit lions, uh, eight catches, 121 yards and a touchdown. So we might have to bet some Laporta overs week one against Kansas City. Well, that was against the Cardinals yeah. that year who was, they were like yeah. historically bad against Titans. Uh, yeah. I mean, every year they are that same, same day. Like remember Noah Fant last year, but I digress. Um, I, I think I'll throw, you know, like, for me, my plan at tight end is if I can't get like a top five guy, uh, it's Chigo Conquo. That's the that's the guy I really want. I think he has he's one of the only other guys with top five upside. And then I'm going after guys like uh, the young guys like uh, Kincaid and uh, and Laporta because I, I you know these guys have a chance to be a major part of their offenses and they're kind of like slot receivers too. You know, Laporta played over half his snaps slot and wide, so he, you know he he's not necessarily a tight end in the sense that like, it's going to be this massive learning curve because he's almost going to be a little bit more like a receiver. Mm. So, um, you know, with this lion team, Amon Ra is going to be a target hog. I'm sure Gibbs Gibbs might be the number two target, but I mean, you got Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond until Jamison Williams get back. And and Williams might be a low percentage route runner anyway. So uh, there could be, you know, like a good three, four catches, uh, open here for Laporta every game. And, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but at tight end, especially when you're getting them outside the top 20, uh, I, I think there's some upside here. So I, I totally agree with Sean. You know, what's interesting. I feel like as we wrap it up, I feel like this was a fantasy focused podcast, but we got a lot of betting insights here. Mm-hmm. Let me wrap up some of my notes, right? A, we might want to get on Miami sooner rather than later for a little bit of a taste of a future, because if Dalvin could go, does go there, the number could move. We all agree that we're probably going to be in Atlanta Falcons podcast again, right? Simon, can I get confirmation? I don't know. You know I like to be contrarian. We're probably going to be in Atlanta Falcons podcast. I am. I, I, I know uh, I am. I was we, the Panthers last year. I was the Panthers whisperer last year. I'm pivoting to the Falcons. We're probably going to be fading the Lions early in the year because the public is going to love them so much. Um... We're probably going to hold on. I can't read my notes here. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to skip that one. Um, oh, uh, we. What did I? What did I? I just wrote it down. <laughs> I. I can't even read it. Um, Aaron Rodgers passing yard unders. Well, we're definitely going to like uh, Garrett Wilson over an Aaron Rodgers passing yards under. We also um, are probably going to fade Mike Evans season totals probably going to fade Chris Godwin season totals and we're going to like Sam Laporta in week one I'm loving all of this good for us Miles good Sanders over Gordon. receptions everyone should go listen to the fantasy podcast that we're doing the fantasy flex with you guys because as I said two of the most accurate projectionists for fantasy in the country according to independent verifier fantasy pros Sean Kerner, Chris Raybon, my co-host and partner, Simon Hunter, our producer extraordinaires, Tito Benach on, on the YouTube, and I got Charlie DeSterko on the YouTube. This has been the Favorites podcast, part of the Action Network. Download us from Spotify, from Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift 
We are presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Bet365 is now live in Iowa. So for new users in the Hawkeye State, you get an even bigger sign-up offer. Bet $1 and get $365 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Until next time, love you. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.